It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Hillary Clinton is largely performing as well or better than Barack Obama did in 2012 with every group except one, white males without college degrees. Today we're talking about white male resentment and what it means for this election. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. dive in we wanted to give everyone an opportunity to support our show if you're feeling up for it pantsuitpoliticsshow.com you be, can become a monthly supporter or just a one-time donation we also have t-shirts and there's also still free shipping on the t-shirts although they're running low i keep telling y'all that but i really mean it every time <laughs> i think we only have about 15 or so left so if you're up for that check out pantsuitpoliticsshow.com 
So today in the pearls, we thought we would spend a second just doing a brief general election update, which is um, basically this continues to be bananas and the post-convention bounce for Hillary Clinton, according to the vast majority of polls, is holding. This is my election update. Donald Trump has dropped his basket, which is one of my favorite phrases, and I think really applies in this situation. Although he seems to have been reined in a little bit. He had a few, he he went on a little bit of a bender, and then I I feel like we haven't heard from him in a couple days. It does seem to go that way with him, and I think Mm. dropped his basket is an excellent way to talk about it. It also reminds me, I think this is from the Divine Secret of the Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, where they talk about, like, I, I take a problem and chew it up until all the flavor's gone and then stick it in my hair. I yeah. feel like that's what Donald Trump does, too. I mean, just so many unnecessary off-the-rails. It's just hard to know what to say anymore other than he's either purposefully throwing it or there is something deeply wrong happening. Maybe both. Maybe both. Well, the 538 election... Uh, forecast now has her polls only forecast at about 83.4% likely that Hillary Clinton will win. The really bananas part is if you go to the now cast, if the election was held today, it's 91.7%. They have Georgia going Democratic. If that gives you any insight into where people are with Donald Trump right now, I mean, it's hard to believe that he hasn't done permanent damage to his campaign and the Republican Party at this point. It's also hard to believe that that's all we're talking about because There are so many things to talk about that could be very detrimental to the Clinton campaign, and we're just not getting to them Mm -hmm. because he takes up all the oxygen in the room. The other thing that's interesting is that the polls have been pretty, um, pretty wild. Like, I have a good friend on Facebook who is a Trump supporter, and he's always able to find a poll where it's even or Trump is ahead as well. And something that the two of us have been talking about is like, is this election going to be even more than the typical election so much about turnout that it's just hard to get reliable polling? And I think that that's true to an extent, especially if you buy into the frequently cited you know, proposition that Trump is going to bring out people who never vote. I mean, we'll see. I, I tend to think that her numbers are probably pretty solid right now. Uh, but I also tend to think that what he has done over the last few weeks is is crazy. And so, I, you know, to some extent, I'm starting to even question my own bias in looking at these numbers. Yeah, I mean, that's why I've said this before on the podcast. This is why I stick to 538 and try not to be swayed by the narrative of whatever poll comes out latest. Because I know this is an algorithm of all the polls, and that always makes me feel a little bit better about any sort of conclusions I'm drawing from them. So, I mean, I don't think there's a big enough turnout that could, uh, especially in in this sort of if the election was held now situation, I don't think there's turnout big enough to help you when your chances of winning are 8.2%, but what do I know? Well, Another contest is happening right now that's a lot more pleasant to think about, and that's the Olympics in Brazil. And I can't believe this this Olympics is happening, given all of the concern about mm-hmm. Zika virus and uh, issues with the Russians. But it's going on. The United States seems to be doing pretty well so far. I think our gymnasts are performing well. Um, we had the very first gold medal went to the United States. 
for some shooting sport that I don't particularly understand. I'm a horrible commentator about the Olympics. Me can too. I be honest Y'all, with you? Well, yeah, this is not the good. This is not the place to come for Olympic coverage. I don't. Okay, I just hope this doesn't upset people. But I don't really care about the Olympics. Does that make me a bad person? Well, here's what I would say about that. I don't think it makes you a bad person um, because we don't judge anyone by one thing here at Pansy Politics. <laughs> I think the Olympics is like a beautiful thing in that the whole world comes together around something. I cannot sit and watch hours of it. Can't. No. Can't do it. Wish I yeah. could. Not my thing. And um, what I've been reading actually a lot about that I find really interesting is sort of the NBC's choices of how they cover the Olympics um, there's a lot of sexism with regards to the coverage of the female athletes and the way they package it and the tape delays they choose. I think that all that's really interesting. Like the, the cultural reaction to the Olympics is interesting, but like watching them, I'm a hard pass. So it's talking about sexism and coverage today. A woman, Corey Codgel, won uh, the bronze medal in Olympic trap shooting in the Chicago Tribune. Um, the headline was that the wife of one of the Chicago Bears won a bronze medal. Oh, man, come on, guys. It's not hard. It's really not hard. Well, and there was a female swimmer, and I can't remember her name. She broke all these records, and people keep, like, saying, like, basically it was her husband. Like, her husband's her coach or something, and so they're, like, giving all the credit to him. It's ridiculous. Oh, man. Get it together, people. Get it together. We aren't great covers of the Olympics, and we can do better than that. Come on So now. true. So true. So do we want to compliment someone from the other party before we move into what I think promises to be a very interesting version of this suit today? I mean, here's the truth. I think as Donald Trump continues to uh, fall apart, my portion of this program is just going to keep getting easier because people are defecting. And so I could just list every week my compliment to the other side, the people who stood up and said, country above party, this dude's off the rails. I'm out. Uh, in the last few weeks, it was Meg Whitman, the first representative, Republican representative, Richard Hanna from New York, which is amazing. I just, TikTok, guys, the longer you wait, the worse it looks. Jump ship. Jump ship. That's what I got to say. I'm going to go in a really different direction and compliment a Kentucky politician, Attica Scott, who was just elected to the Kentucky House of Representatives. Is that right, Sarah? Yeah, that's right. And I totally know her. That's she's amazing. an Emerge alum. I saw she the program is. that Sarah did for Democratic Women, um, Attica Completed. We follow her on Twitter. I love her posts. I especially love that she just takes the, her leadership role on in every aspect. Like, I saw this wonderful um way that she called to light an issue in her daughter's school yeah, because of I've a been policy. Following that too. It's yeah, great. A, a policy about hair um, was it's a really offensive and and discriminatory policy on how women may wear their hair in school. And she just does a great job of calling these things out uh, with respect, without any vitriol, but in a really firm way. You can just see tremendous leadership, even following her sort of at a distance, as I have. So uh, congratulations, and go get them. Yeah, she's fantastic. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. 
Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked to me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops. Premium luggage options and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt. In Japan, they like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. Recently, just like in the last week or so, the New York Times released unfiltered sound from the Trump rallies. And it really, I was so appalled. It's not like I don't follow the Trump rallies. It's not like I didn't sort of get this on some level. But the unfiltered sound of people calling our president the N-word and threatening violence against Hillary Clinton and saying just truly horrific thing about things about immigrants and members of other races was really shocking. It is shocking. And I think that it 
speaks to the fact that we don't know how to channel things in this country because there are some legitimate grievances going on, but we're not doing anything with those except just getting more and more and more angry and lashing out about them. I would love to see all of this turn into policy, but that's not what's happening. Well, I think that, you know, more than other times, I've just noticed sort of an unabashed kind of calling out of this. And I I think that's good in a way. I'm not sure how it pushes the conversation. Like, I don't know if the, the first point is just sort of naming it, but I think in naming it, everything becomes very limited. Like Charles M. Blow, who's one of my favorite um, editorial writers for the New York Times. I mean, he wrote a piece called Trump reflects, reflects white male fragility. And he pulled no punches. He, this is a quote from the column. He says, he appeals to something deeper, something baser, fear. His whole campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, is in fact an inverted admission of loss, lost primacy, lost privilege, lost prestige. And who feels that they have lost the most? White men. And I think that, you know, there's all these, like I said, there's all this data and demographic. We'll post a really great piece about the one demographic that is hurting Hillary Clinton. And it's just crazy to see the difference. I mean, you're talking white women with degrees. She's up nine points over um, Obama, where Obama was in 2012. But she's down 14 among white men with no college degrees. I mean, that's a huge difference. That's a 20 plus point difference between white women with degrees and white men with no degrees. So, I mean, I don't think it's just about race, but there's something going on here. There's a lot going on here, I think. And I, and I think that there, so, so if you think about resentment, it's defined as something like bitter indignation at feeling that you've been treated unfairly. And I think that's an interesting thing to just step back and reflect on. So you hear a lot of that in the people are taking our jobs language, Mm -hmm. right? Sarah and I had this really interesting Uber ride while we were in Philadelphia with someone who had immigrated to the United States and was a Trump supporter and was very anti-immigration. It was kind of like we were both just staring at each other like we don't really understand how to have this conversation and we were really trying to have the conversation because we we wanted to get it but you could hear so much this sense of I'm a person who came to the United States in a really difficult way I work really hard for not a lot of money and I don't want anyone coming here and taking from me Mm. is that a fair summary of what we heard well what I heard was I work hard and they don't I mean, he was very, he emphasized right. a lot that like, they just are too lazy to fill the papers and they don't want to get jobs. And it was a lot of like, they don't work hard when I do. And I, it didn't seem like he was as worried about someone taking something away as he was just that they're what, that they were getting things they didn't deserve, which I guess is really just two sides of the same coin. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I meant. Like, not that they're competition for jobs or something, but that the money that I make is being taxed to take from me Mm -hmm. and give to those who won't work as hard as I work. Mm -hmm. And I think that that sentiment is very prevalent among white men as well. And, but the, but that is very male in a lot of ways too, right? Like I don't hear a lot of women using that kind of language. And, and again, we're speaking in really broad generalizations. There are exceptions to 
everything that we're going to say, but this idea of I'm working so hard. And when I think about what's been taken away, I do think that there is a whole almost generation of particularly white men who think they've done sort of what they're supposed to do and the results haven't been what they were for the preceding generation. And that's at the root of a lot of this. You know, we had a lot of people who thought like, if I complete my high school degree and work for a good company, I'll work there until I retire and then I'll have a good pension, you know, and like all these things that just don't exist anymore. And so instead of what do we do about that, it's become who do we blame for that? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing I want to say is that I don't think you can discount race, even though I do think there's something else going on. I don't want to downplay the fact that there is racism involved. And I don't think all racism is just about economic inequality. There is um, real white supremacy in our culture. The idea that you know, white people are better. Why? I mean, I have conversations with people, you know, even college educated people who say very racist things that are basically come down to white people are better than brown people. So that's a huge part of this, the resentment of, you know, I deserve this because I'm white and I'm better. But I think there's also, you know, this economic argument. And one of our, um, one of our, really, really loyal, wonderful Twitter followers, Debbie Cohen, sent this really great, tweeted this really great article called White Trash, the Original Underclass through ProPublica. And they this piece goes through two um, books in detail. The first is, um, I'm trying to find the name of it. Oh, um, I thought I had it pulled up, but clearly I don't. Uh, welcome, Nancy Eisenberg, who's a historian at Louisiana State University, and her book is called White Trash, the 400-Year-Old Untold History of Class in America, and she does a really good job of sort of this piece in the book itself, I haven't read the book, but going through sort of the geographic differences and um, how the sort of lower class has always been um, politically and just generally left out of the American economy going all the way back to the founding fathers and sort of the idea that they didn't have a path to the upper class. And like, there's a lot of really awful stuff our founding fathers wrote about lower class people and how they deserve to basically stay in lower classes and, you know, all this, this history that we forget. And then they also talked about this really great um, memoir by J.D. Vance called Hillbilly Elegy, a memoir of a family and culture in crisis and talks about specifically sort of hillbillies in Appalachia and um, that poor, that aspect of poor white America. And they excerpted this part, which I thought was really interesting. He talks about um, sort of his own resentment, even as he's made his way out of that place of people who learned how to game the welfare system. And he said they'd buy two dozen packs of soda with food stamps and then sell them at a discount for cash. They'd ring up their order separately, buying food with food stamps, beer, wine, cigarettes with cash. Most of us were struggling to get by, but we may do, worked hard, and hope for a better life. But a large minority was content to live off the dole. Every two weeks, I get a small paycheck and notice the line where federal and state income taxes were deducted from my wages. At least as often, our drug addict neighbor would buy T-bone steaks, which I was too poor to buy for myself, but was forced by Uncle Sam to buy for someone else. And... Where I, what I've sort of really come to terms with myself, especially since we've been doing fancy politics, is that my privilege 
sort of my privileged economic situation has removed me from sort of those observations. You know, I read long articles about people on welfare. I don't interact with people on welfare on a regular basis. Um, Beth and I went to lunch with one of my friends who works in a nonprofit in Cleveland before the RNC, and he is one of the most liberal people I know, and he was talking about people that game the system. And I think in my head for so long, I just thought these were urban legends, but they're not. And I think that the Democratic Party in particular needs to come to grips with the fact that admitting the welfare system is not perfect doesn't mean abandoning it. And this social safety net, while it, in my opinion, serves a good purpose, is clearly not serving certain communities and um, creating a lot of resentment among others. I think that we can agree on intention and then all agree to re-examine methodology. Mm-hmm. Because I think both parties bear responsibility for allowing the situation with particularly poor white people to escalate as it has. It, I think specifically about drug use. And perhaps that comes to mind for me because in Kentucky it is such a crippling ec- epidemic. But... We are removed. I mean, it's amazing to think about the fact that you and I both sit in Kentucky, not in um, particularly elite areas compared to where we, we could be in other states, you know, and we are this removed from, you know, all of the kinds of conflict experienced by our fellow Kentuckians. This is not a big place that we're in Mm -hmm. and, and we are so separated and I, so I agree with you that there is an element of race. There is certainly an element of economics. There is certainly an, an element of misogyny and mm-hmm. this threat to sort of traditional masculinity or this idea that men are under siege. You know, I, I've grown up for a long time hearing that, you know, the, the last group that you can legally discriminate against are white men. And Oh, me too. And it wears me out. That's a really difficult thing to grapple with because I've always wanted to be a feminist who loves men, right? Like, and to, and to say this is possible. And in fact, this is the norm. Like you are not under attack. I swear you can have us escalate to the table with you without you losing your seat, Mm -hmm. but it becomes increasingly difficult um to frame it up that way and and I'll and I'll admit that you know as I've gotten older my tolerance for sexism has decreased dramatically and I feel that escalating um as I sort of progress in my career and in my life experience and that is a tough issue and it's particularly a tough issue when you have Hillary Clinton uh, nominated and so close to the White House, we you know we got another uh, Facebook message this week from our listener John, who said he had just listened to the Malcolm Gladwell episode on moral licensure, and said you know this just is a good reminder that succeeding in this way brings a whole new set of problems. Well, I mean, I always have sort of I had a text exchange with my own father about this and you know it was like we lived in different countries. It really was. His view is that he is terrified for his grandchildren. America is failing, everything is going wrong, 
And my view was everything is changing. It's going to be great. Um, I'm so excited for my children. And we talked about this and I said, if you are afraid because you feel like what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man and what it means to be white and what it means to be black is changing, you are right. It is changing. It is changing dramatically and it is changing at a rapid pace. But like what I, I sort of have an easy out when I say this change is great because I'm raising three white boys. (laughs) Like, If I didn't think, if I didn't believe to my core what Barack Obama said in this really great glamour piece he wrote um, about being a feminist, that when we are all more equal, everyone is more free, I would fight this. You know, when people say, I mean, Beth and I have even had this conversation where she said, we don't need more Kyles. And my head immediately goes, but what if people say we don't need more Griffins or we don't need more Amoses or we don't need more Felixes? Like, that's a hard for me to think about. But to the core, I really believe that Griffin and Amos and Felix will live in a better world when people that look like them and think like them are the, aren't the only people holding power and creating solutions to the problems that face their generation. I really believe that. And I can understand when facing something that is new and different and changing and really directly causes you to re-examine your own choices like fear and you know to turn away from vulnerability and to turn to anger and fear is a choice that people often make but I truly don't believe it is the right choice like I just kept pushing my own father and saying like but what if it's not like that but what if you're wrong what if this change is good and what if it will help things or what if it's a little bit of both like You know, I just think that the idea, I said, you know, it's no direct assault to your generation, but we have to move on. Like, we can't go back in time. My new favorite phrase is change is hard, but time travel is impossible. So I don't, you know, I I understand the fear and the sort of what happens next and what does it mean to be male and female and white. Like, I get that. It's a hard, difficult struggle. It's not easy to sit down and think through these things and carefully piece apart your words but it's worth it I truly believe it's worth it I think so we talked about there's a race element a misogyny element an economic element there's also this generational element Mm -hmm. and I think it's not just what generation are you but what generation has influenced you most so Sarah and I we were talking on our trip to Philadelphia about Paducah where Sarah lives and how it's evolving and that's really different than the small county that I grew up in because um, a lot of people who leave Paducah to go to school come back that's not true of where I grew up and I'm I'm an example of that I left to go to school I didn't go back I can't imagine going back not because it's not a wonderful place filled with wonderful people but for the most part it's just a very different economy and environment than the one that I've chosen to live in and and raise my family in and so when I think about other communities where you have this kind of migration of people at a certain point the people who remain in the, in those communities tend to be influenced more, I think, by older generations than those of us who move to college towns, right, and stay. Mm. So, so when I talk to people I went to high school with 
who did not go away for an education and stayed in the community, it is more like I'm talking to baby boomers than to millennials. And I realize how much I've been influenced by younger generations and maybe wouldn't have had that same influence if I had stayed where I was. Now, there's nothing inherently negative about that. There is a very different attitude about change, though. Right, Because I think the baby boomer generation is more of a clinging generation. Like they think things should be built to last. That kind of, there's pride in the idea that things endure. Whereas millennials, there's pride in in agility, right? Mm -hmm. There's pride in the idea that everything's iterative, that we expect constant change. And then I think Gen X and Y are sort of floating in between those two. And so that the tolerance level that we have and just the enthusiasm, like we, you and I, Sarah, have been so influenced by millennials, I think, and, and identify in that way, even though we're sort of on the border of it. Um, we think change is usually going to mean something good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a, one of my favorite people in this town who is actually a baby boomer. Um, I remember when the high school merged and all these, you know, old high schools, including mine, that was four generations of my family graduated from merged. And it was the f- first football game with this new merged high school. And I sat down next to her and she said, looked at me and smiled and said, it's a change. Great. And I just thought you're amazing. I aspire to be like you because it is change is great. And I think that what interests me about the baby boomers is though that they, they really have a foot in both worlds. I mean, it's not like they didn't come of age in a time where change was rapid. And you're talking about people that grew up post-World War II and then sort of were raising kids as, you know, gender roles were changing and the internet and technology was changing quickly. And I mean, I say I've tried to be empathetic with baby boomers because I don't really remember what it was like before the internet. I mean, I have a terrible memory anyway. And so, I mean, I sort of remember like playing Oregon Trail. I remember the first time emailing and texting, but like, I forget that when Griffin was born, I didn't have a smartphone. Like it's just so consumed my, how I operate that it's hard for me to remember what it was like before that. But I know that they have a very sort of deep well of memories. Um, What I'm sure to many people seem like a simpler time when, you know, we didn't have supercomputers in our pockets, but you know, I don't want to go back. Like, I just don't. Like, I think that as for the challenges that our global economy presents and the, I think it presents opportunities too. And I, I think the biggest problem, you know, there's a really great article about slowed growth, which I think is behind a huge part of this that, you know, we haven't, fig- we truly from the Brexit to Donald Trump have not figured out the global economy. We have not done a good job of truly transitioning because the globe, you know, I think because of the way the global economy operates, it's so ruthless that we haven't figured out how not to leave people behind and people have been left behind and they resent it and I can't blame them. But the answer is not, you know, fear and anger. The answer is like you said, to turn it into policy, like, okay, well, we've done something wrong. You know, there's a crazy, amazing, this American life, on why people are on disability. And instead of blaming the people on disability, they really tried to figure out why. And it was basically because the economy left them behind and they don't have any other choice. This one town that had like 75% of people on disability. And, you know, that's, the issue is not, you know, getting rid of people or like I said, time travel. The issue is, okay, these are the problems we have. We have to figure out a solution. 
EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. EarthBreeze sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, gotta love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick and ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. And we do have to have, as a society, some tolerance for failure because in a constantly changing world an iterative world we aren't going to have quarter after quarter of great economic growth you are going to put money in your pension in your 401k and it's going to dive sometimes right like that's Mm -hmm. just 
it, that is the nature of change at this rate. And that's why some people can't hang with it. And I respect that. I mean, I understand. I think this is another example of we need all of those perspectives because change for the sake of change is not a good thing. Change yeah. for the sake of problem solving is um, we have to kind of calibrate those expectations. And it's it's a hard time. So I guess that's the question. We're saying that resentment doesn't do us any good, whether whatever movement that's in. And we should say the politics of resentment are certainly not confined to men or to white people. Um, mm. We're just that's what we're talking about today. But you can see res- traces of resentment in a number of movements that take those movements in really unhealthy directions. You can also see people who come from a place of resentment sort of tarnishing the image of movements that are largely not about resentment. I think that's what's happening a lot in the Black Lives Matter movement right now when people narrow in on the small minority of that movement, as best I can tell, that takes that, you know, takes sort of the approach that we need to be violent toward police officers right back, like this revenge mentality. That seems to me to be not what the Black Lives Matter movement's really about, but what a small group of people operating from resentment have turned it to, right? So I think our thought is that resentment itself is just not a useful emotion. (laughs) So what can we replace it with? And I think the answer is conviction, but even bigger than that is directing that conviction toward specific issues instead of toward specific people or groups. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how, I mean, it's so hard though when people are motivated by fear. I go round and round with, you know, people, my own people in my life who I know and love. And I, I, I feel like I get somewhere when I say I'm scared too. And I recognize this change, but you know, Fear is not the solution, but it's a really difficult conversation to have, and it's a really difficult conversation to move forward. But I think the way that we do that is to narrow in on, like, what is the source of your grievance? When we, to go back to our Uber driver, you know, we started asking him a lot of questions about his experience immigrating to America, and to nail in, like, what is it about immigration that he is so frustrated by? And I think that's what you have to do. What is it about the economy that so frustrates you? When you say that you feel left behind, tell me what that means. What are you looking for from education, right? What aspects of this sort of cultural revolution are so concerning to you? How can we work through those? And I think there is a place for all that discussion. The other thing that we have to just be honest about, too, is like just because things are changing and more things are acceptable or more things are embraced, that doesn't mean that, like, all of the old is wiped out. Like, you can be, I I, I feel like particularly when I read about threats to traditional masculinity, like, you could be a Clint Eastwood type dude and still be a very open and tolerant person and coexist peacefully with everyone else on Earth. Like, Wood, I don't know if Clint Eastwood is the best example considering his recent mouthing, but I get where you're coming from. I mean, I'm not a Clint Eastwood fan either, but I'm just saying, like, if that's... So, Nick Offerman is a great example of this, right? Nick Offerman is, like, totally uh, wrapped up in a lot of traditional manliness, but also has very open and loving views about people who are different than he is. You know, Mm. I mean, you can you can be I'm just saying like you can love bacon and shooting things 
and be just fine in the new world. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. It, these aren't ors, they're ands. We're adding, not subtracting, and and I think maybe that's part of it that we approach everything with this zero sum mentality. Right, and it's just not what it is. It's a scarcity mindset. We've talked about this before. Like it's so, it leads nowhere good when we think, and you know maybe that's the a generational difference too. Is you know I, because you know the internet is endless and it's sort of my framework for almost everything. I very I just don't think in a kind of finite scarcity situation and often I talk with people and I realize like oh they they do and it's like we're talking past each other so I think it is absolutely the responsibility of both parties coming out of this election to fundamentally figure out how to address the issues that got us to this election and I think that means enhancing our focus on the drug problem that's happening all across the United States. I think it means enhancing our focus on education, on trade policy, whatever that means. To me, it means on the effects of trade policy, because I we've talked about this before. I just don't see us going backwards away from globalization. So how do we adapt instead of reject it? And then I do think you're right that our welfare system has to have a hard examination to make sure that it's doing what it's intended to do and that we can all start to see some of the positive impact of it instead of the constant perpetuation of it. I totally agree. So can we talk about my vacation now? (laughs) Yes. Next up in the heels, we're going to talk Beth who rudely went on vacation the week. I'm going back to school. Yeah, we mean to be rude about my vacation. (laughs) Well, last week, the county schools, so we have county schools and city schools in Paducah, and they went back last week on Thursday. We don't go back to Wednesday, but still, it's early. It is early. My daughter starts kindergarten next Wednesday after we get back, so this is kind of the last hurrah of the summer. And you are where? I am on Hilton Head Island, which is one of my favorite places on earth. It is gorgeous here. This is our first attempt at like a big family vacation. My mother retired from teaching in May. And so uh, we came here with my sister, my mom, and my dad to celebrate her retirement. Um, and to some extent, uh, my daughter Jane's going to kindergarten. And so it's a, it's a different experience for us, but we're in a big beach house and I spent the whole day kind of going from the beach to the pool to the beach to the pool, which is just my kind of day. I I just like my my skin and my soul feel better when I'm in South Carolina. I love South Carolina. I always tell people it's the perfect combination of like Southern and beach. Their food is is so good. It's the best. I'm a big fan. Everybody's nice. It's just wonderful. I mean, if I had to pick another state to be from, it'd be South Carolina. If like Kentucky kicked me out for some terrible reason. 
we were at dinner tonight, and my husband ordered this giant plate of raw oysters, which is not a thing oh, that I enjoy. Oh, I love raw oysters. Yeah, I'm just not a seafood person at all. I think mm. I might have a mild allergy or something. But anyway, he said, please just eat some oysters with me. And I said, I'll make you a deal. You buy me a house down here, I'll eat as many raw oysters as you want me to. <laughs> get them down somehow. Yeah, I love so, raw oysters. Someday. But no, we start school on Wednesday, and I am sending for the first time two kids to school instead of one so that will be exciting amos starts kindergarten on wednesday very exciting um yeah i'm super psyched i don't feel near the sadness that griffin when griffin went does that, that probably makes me a bad mother but it is what it is my my mentor who has three sons says by the time felix goes i'll just be like waving and cheering from the driveway as they get on the bus so let me make you feel better as the person who doesn't do mom guilt I am not sad at all about Jane starting kindergarten. Like, I think it's awesome. I'm excited for her. Um, I don't, I can't even relate to, like, the dropping them off and being sad. I just don't feel any of that. I did when Griffin's, I was just not, a, it just felt like we were entering a new phase, a phase I knew was going to go really, really quickly, and that's sort of what made me sad. I love elementary school kids. I was, like, all about him being one of those. I just felt like, okay, well, now we're entering this new world, and that's where they suck, they suck them in, and the next thing you know, they're graduating from high school, but. I think that's kind of great, though. Like, my favorite thing on earth is to think about Jane being an adult and, like, us having that kind of relationship and friendship that comes late. I don't know. I just don't get sad, really, about the stages. Even even as Ellen's getting bigger and knowing that we're not going to have another baby, like, I just think it's cool, and I'm happy for her. So so I'll be the bad person in this mix. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't have any of the, the mom sentimentality, I guess, that we're supposed to have. Well, on that note... <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Pantsu Politics. You can find us on Facebook. You can follow us at Twitter on Pantsu Politic. Uh, you can email us compliments to the other side that we'll feature on the show. You can just record a voice memo or just, t- you know, I thought about this later. You can also, guys, just type them out and we'll just read them. It's not a big deal. But if you have compliments for the other side, we'd love to hear them. Yes, and we are going to, on Friday, talk about the amazing What Pantsy Politics Means to Us entries that came in and start shipping out your um, Democratic National Convention swag. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.